Welcome to the Best Self Podcast. This is the show for women who are tired of feeling tired, the sick of the to-do lists and the constant juggling of balls and spinning of plates, and they are ready to start putting themselves first again. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Self Podcast. It's your host, Nicola Fulstow, and today I am speaking to you overwhelmed mums, to all of you out there who much like me, a lot of the time are feeling super overwhelmed. And today specifically, I'm talking to those of you who cannot put down your phone. (laughs) Okay. Now I know you might be listening to this on your phone, so don't put it down yet because I've got some important stuff to share with you because today I really, really want to focus on this topic that keeps coming up with the women who I am around and spend time with, who are often very busy working mums, who are trying to juggle all the balls, spin all the plates, be a great wife, be a great mum, show up at work, advance the career, keep on top of the house, you know, all the plates that were spinning. And recently I was in a playground and I was sat having a coffee with a mum friend of mine. Um, We're kind of just like watching the kids do their own thing, run around the playground. Um, We're just kind of having a chat. And, you know, I'm noticing that, and I've done this myself, I do do this myself, but she's constantly touching a phone. She's constantly picking it up touching the screen, you know, the screen comes on, then she turns it off again. And she's literally just constantly fiddling with it in a bag, out of a bag, in a pocket, out of a pocket, turning it on, turn it off. And she goes, oh, I'm so addicted to my phone. And she was so frustrated with herself. And she's like, oh, do you know what? I just literally can't leave it alone. And I'd noticed that she was becoming really, really uncomfortable with it. You know, she was, it was like she was having a battle with herself. And it really resonated with me. I just totally understood where she was coming from because I have so been like that myself. And she was like, oh, I just can't leave it alone. And I was like, why? What's, are you waiting for something? You're waiting for a message or something? She was like, no, no, I'm just, I'm always stressed and worried that I've missed an email from work. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried like there's this new person who started at work. And I feel like if she replies before me, then it just looks like I'm a slacker and she's really on it. So I'm constantly checking my phone all the time because I don't want to be seen as the slacker because there's a promotion up for grabs and I just know she's going to get it because she's always on a phone. And so I could tell she was like really, really, you know, genuinely stressed about this. And she's like, well, not to mention, you know, the mum's WhatsApp group. And, you know, I totally get that. I've got obviously two children, so I've got two different WhatsApp groups just for that. And that is a busy old place. (laughs) There are so many cardigans and jumpers lost every week. (laughs) Just that alone, you know, last week I think someone lost a shoe, (laughs) just one, (laughs) you know, but regardless of that, there's so much those WhatsApp groups for me that you do check them because you're always worried that like you might have missed something. You might have read the newsletter wrong. You might have read the information wrong. Is everyone on the same page? You know, you don't want to be the only one. Your kid turns up to school in, I don't know, school uniform and it's a non-uniform day. So I get it. But she was like, oh, you know, the mum's WhatsApp groups. And then she said, um, I feel so guilty. She was like, I was on a Zoom call the other day. She said it was after school, but I had to do it. And the kids have been really good. They've been on their iPads. 
And then she said, I sort of got off my Zoom call and I was like, right, you know, because I felt guilty. She said, I was like, right, everybody off their iPads, let's do this, let's do that. And they didn't want to get off their iPads. And I got really annoyed with them. And she said, I really didn't try that hard to get them off their iPads, but I'd suggested we play a game. And then she said, within about five minutes, one of them came to me and I was on my phone. And she was like, mom, can we play that game now? And I was like, in a minute, in a minute. And she was like, mom, get off your phone. And she said, I felt so bad. She said, I felt like a hypocrite. So she said, I'm feeling the guilt all the time. I'm torn between trying to do all these things, keep on top of all this information, not, she said, to mention the school notifications because we must get about a thousand every day. And I, I absolutely second that, you know, I don't know why we have to get so many. Is your school like that? <laughs> because ours is crazy. I feel like I, I always have like about 80 odd unread messages on my phone. I just can't get through them. It stresses me out. So I totally got where she was coming from completely. And it really, really got me thinking about urgency culture. And it's a term that I've heard more and more over the months, especially since the pandemic. And it's all about how we feel that any free time that we have, like any time where we are just there, we have to be available, whether it's to the people we work with or work for, whether it's to clients or customers, whether it's to a friend, our family, our parents, like whoever. It's this feeling like we always have to be on. Do you get that? Do you feel like that? And I have absolutely felt like that. And as I watched my mum friend really battle with herself with this very issue, I thought I'm going to do a podcast about this because I definitely don't think the two of us are alone. So can you can you resonate with that? I'd love to hear I'd love to hear how you feel about this. So I wanted to do this podcast today because this is something that I've been working on for a number of years is really trying to be more present in general in my life. So when I'm at work, be present. When I'm at home with my children, be present. If I'm on a date night with my husband, be present. I don't want to be that person when my friend is talking to me or my kids are asking me to play with them. I don't want to be that person who's on her phone. Do you want to know why? Because when other people do it to me, it's really annoying. (laughs) I find it so annoying. I find it so rude, but complete confession here. I've absolutely done that. I've totally done that too. So there is zero judgment coming from me today, but this is me stepping up to the plate today to say, I want to be better. This is something I've been working on. And I think that most people want to be better at this. So I thought I'm going to share the things that I've come across and the strategies that I use in my life to try and be more present, because that's what we all want from this. It's not just that we don't just want to be rude. And we don't want to be stressed or overwhelmed and multitasking 10,000 things and not doing any of them very well. I think the core issue here is that we actually want to feel more connected to our life, to the moments in our life. That's certainly the place I have been coming from when I have been trying to do work around this. So I just wanted to share with you my experience about urgency culture and my thoughts around that. So the reason I believe, and and I've noticed, and you know, sort of quite conscious about 
this podcast that I've been doing. So I've been really observing what goes on. And I've really noticed that the role of social media in this is is huge. And I am definitely one of these mums. I'm like driving the kids to school in the morning and we drive past a college. And it breaks my heart when I see friends walking together to, to college, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds, and all of them are together, but they're all on the phones. And I've seen this in our local park when I've taken the girls to the park and they're playing and I see kids all sat around together, you know, teenagers, but they're all on the phones. And it breaks my heart because I think we all know where this is going. You know, we all know where this is going to end up. It's not going to end anywhere good. And the reason I feel confident I can say that is because I think I'm 42 at the moment. And I think I come from a generation that have experienced both life without this technology, life without this type of connection, this being on all the time and life with it. And I think that's why a lot of us mums, you know, who are in this generation, who've, who've experienced both, I think that's why we struggle a lot with it. It isn't just, you know, second nature to us. We're aware of what life can be like without it. So I think we're really in this really interesting and actually empowering place in time, in cult, in our culture, in our society, where we have insight that we can pass on to our children here, where we have a duty, I think, to be a different role model. Because I think we're watching generations who have literally had a phone in their hand since they were born, which includes probably our kids, you know, but we're watching the results of that. We're not only, we're aware that our kids are vulnerable to that whilst we're watching the result of it with, you know, late teenagers and people in their early twenties who literally have anxiety to be without their phone. And I think we've all got like that now. We're all like, you know, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And I think many of us who are at this stage in our life where we've lived without phones and lived with them are starting to realize that it's a bit of a double bind. Is that the right word? Is that the right phrase? (laughs) It's kind of a love-hate relationship we have with our phones because we can see the value of them, but we can also see the damage that they are doing, including to ourselves. So that's why I thought it was really, really important that I wanted to really put out this podcast today. And like I say, social media has such a massive part to play here. You know, when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, like say over the summer holidays, I might wonder occasionally, I wonder what that person is doing or I wonder what this person is doing. But I certainly didn't wonder about it daily. I was more concerned with my own life, my own present moment, my own being. And even if I did wonder it for a second, the answer was left to my imagination unless I happened to pick up the phone and ring them and ask them. And then it kind of just, the thought went away. Whereas the world and the culture that we live in today, we're constantly living in like a frame of comparison with everyone else. We're constantly on social media looking at what is everyone else doing and then comparing what we're doing to them. This is like perpetuating this fear that we're missing out, FOMO. It's this fear of not being good enough, not achieving enough, not doing enough, not having enough. Our life isn't excite as exciting or fulfilling or important or meaningful as someone else's. It's a daily reminder that, 
you know, time's not on our side. And if we are missing out, we need to do something about it quick, quick. So our response to that is quick, let's get busy. We need to, we need to do it all, be it all, have it all. And we need to just get on it, on it, on it, on it. It's this idea of hustle and grind. We've got to be hustling all the time, getting what we want, achieving our goals, working, working, working. And it can be working on personal stuff as well. I even feel like the self-development stuff that I have been such a believer in for, gosh, since I was a teenager, I feel is getting to a point where even that is becoming on the verge of dangerous because people feel like they have to do so much work on themselves, their best body, their best life, their best home, their best this, this, this. And it's ironic because it's coming from me, from the best self project. But life is about balance. It can't always just be about goals, getting the goals, 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 goals. There's got to be moments of presence, of fulfillment, of just being who you are and being grateful for what you have and just being in the moment without feeling this need to publish it, to share it, to make it look picture perfect. That's what's exhausting us. It's this living through a filter, a heavily edited, curated, unreal filter of what people, including ourselves, choose to share on social media. And it means that the lines have become really, really blurred now between our private self and our public self, our work self and our home self. And it's all meshed up with this inherent need to have external validation from others, a little heart, a little like, a comment. And it's not necessarily in alignment with what is right for us, with what is fulfilling to us at a really deep core need. And I think that is why we're getting so confused, so unfulfilled, so frustrated with ourselves. That's the battle. That's the battle when you're putting the phone down and picking it up and you want to leave it, but you can't leave it. It's this battle between the real you, your real best self who wants to show up and just be fulfilled and happy. It's that simple versus the you that is being told that you need to do more, be more, have more, achieve more whether that's in terms of your body and what you look like, whether it's in terms of the job and what you do, or as a mum, or as a wife, as a woman, it's this constant battle. I think the pandemic has not helped us because I think 2020 was the year that if the lines weren't already getting a bit blurry, 2020 was the year that they became just merged because stay-at-home orders were put in place And many, many families, including my own then, were stuck in the confines of their home, which was then the place of work. It was then the kids were around all day. So it was like the longest lasting school holiday you've ever imagined with nowhere to take them. It was literally hard. It was any parent's idea of hell. Plus then you're trying to hold down your job or considering work or continuing working on your business it was trying to be a parent. It was trying to have, you know, maintain balance with your own relationships. It was teaching your children and trying to be an educator. It was trying to keep on top of the house and be a, you know, be that person who showed up to make sure the house was organized and tidy and the food was cooked and all of those things, but couldn't leave. So it was like a cage. 
So there were no lines anymore. Everything was all under one roof in one day. So because we were all juggling, we didn't have specific times of the day, like between nine to five, we worked. Whereas what actually was happening was maybe between nine to 10, we tried to do a bit of work. Then 11 to 12 was school, homeschool. Then like one to two, you might do a bit of work again. And then 11, and then maybe like in the middle of the day, you'd all try and have lunch as a family. And it was just, so what happened then when the kids were in bed in the evening, you're probably trying to catch up on your work. So people got used to us all being available. We were all available all time, all day, all evening. There was no off switch. And we've come to a place now, even though restrictions have been lifted, obviously, and we're all relatively back to normal, but a lot of people are still working from home. A lot of people are still working different, like, you know, these flexible hours. And the backlash of that is that there is no off switch. There is no off time. We're now just expected to be on constantly. So my intention with this podcast today and like with every podcast that I do, there's always an intention. And my intention today is to empower you again with these boundaries, to empower you to know that your time does not equal your availability to other people. Yeah. Your free time is not the same as when you are available to respond to other people. So I heard a quote the other day and I thought it was amazing. I can't remember who said it, but it went something along the lines of someone else's like fire drill is not your emergency. And I just loved that. Someone else's fire drill is not your emergency. And that is really sums up the essence of this podcast. It is about firstly understanding A, it's a fire drill. Yeah, it's not life and death. And B, that it is someone else's fire drill. It is what they are choosing to do in that moment to be prepared or be organized or advance something. But that does not make it your emergency to respond to. It is not an emergency. It's not urgent. So I loved that quote and I really wanted to share it with you. Write that down. (laughs) Have it on your screensaver because that is one to remember. So what do we do? How do we how do we escape this when we've got into a place where, like my lovely friend, you're sat with your children and the school holidays are coming up here. So I'm recording this in July when the school holidays were building up to the summer holidays, when we're off for six weeks. Many of us still, like myself, have to continue to work whilst entertaining the kids, whilst have to just keep everything on an even keel. How do we become more present? How do we escape this? urgency, this sense of urgency that we need to keep checking our phone, that we need to respond, that we need to be on all the time. How can we have more balance? How can we enjoy our time at home more and focus more in work to be more productive and feel like we've had a a fulfilling day there and then come home to our safe space, to our beautiful families and enjoy that? That's the question today. So, Grab a pen and paper if you haven't already. You know what I'm like. I'm a massive advocate of getting out of your head and onto paper because I really do help. I really do think it helps you to process and gain clarity when you don't just go around and around in your head. Thoughts actually need to come out. And whether you need to talk them out with people or write them out or, God forbid, make a note on your phone. (gasps) (laughs) But they need to come out. So grab a pen and paper. And I just, I really do believe in the cathartic 
element of holding a pen to paper and that flow of the pen and the thoughts coming out in that manner. I think it's so, I think that's the way we're made as humans rather than tip, tap, 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 tap on your phone. There's something about doing that. Sometimes I do use notes on my phone for various things, but in general, I'll always put pen to paper because I do believe I like to be more in touch with the kinesthetic like the feel of everything, the feel of my body, the feel of the pen, the paper, rather than be on a device. So anytime I can find a chance to not be on a device, I I will be. So you've got your pen and paper, hopefully. And number one for me is you have to recognize that your time is yours. Your decision on how to spend your time is yours. What's important and urgent to you, it might be different to someone else's version of that, but that is yours to determine, to get clarity on, to understand and to act upon. So the first thing is to set boundaries and communicate those boundaries. Don't assume that everybody is the same. Don't assume that everyone just naturally understands that they're imposing on your boundaries. So the first step really is commit and understand your boundaries, commit to them, create some discipline around your life and the different elements within your life. Have times of the day where you are working and tell people when you will not be working. So even to the point where I've noticed recently something that's been happening on my phone and I'm like, right, this is new. So Normally people use emails for me. That is the way I communicate. My personal life is on WhatsApp very much. And my emails are only checked in work hours. I don't check my emails out of work hours. And what I've started to notice is that sneakily, some people have started randomly using Facebook Messenger to communicate with me. And that is that is not how I communicate because that's not on my to-do list. Facebook Messenger messages coming into me might be something that I would respond to as in like it's a a friend conversation. Whereas when that comes into my day as a request, as a something that needs to go on my to-do list, it's, it's not getting logged. So it's my responsibility to tell those people who are coming into my Facebook messenger, who I work with, to say, this is not a good way for me to communicate. This will get missed it just doesn't come into my head as a work thing. So I'm, I'm just like, it's not on my radar to respond to that or, or log it as a to-do. Yeah. You have to tell people when you're available, what format they should contact you with and how they should expect you to respond to that. If it's WhatsApp, are they expecting a response immediately, same day within 24 hours? I think there's a an understanding that anything like that's a message everyone expects an instant response. So if it's work, maybe you need to say it's an email, unless it is an absolute emergency and clarify what your emergency is, put it through my email and I'll respond to it between these hours. Another great quote I heard was from, I think it was Beyonce in in an Oprah interview once. I've never forgot it. It must be about 20 years ago. Watch this. Was it university? And it's probably longer than 20 years. (laughs) But the quote was, People will push you as far as you're willing to allow them. And it stuck with me so much as someone who has struggled with assertiveness, someone who has struggled with boundaries, someone who has struggled with people pleasing. That is so true. 
the people who you just do not put boundaries in place with, who you aren't assertive with, they will keep pushing because part of them doesn't realize it's bothering you, but also part of them is probably a bit cheeky. So put your boundaries in place, communicate with people about those boundaries, tell them what to expect, set their expectations. And then if they cross those boundaries, you've got a reason to go back to them and tell them that that's not okay. So that's step number one. Step number two, I don't know whether you've listened to my episode on how I personally work on my goals and prioritize my time to get there. It's called Rocks. I can't actually remember what episode it is, but have a scroll through all my podcast episodes. It's a really great one if you want to make progress and really track well on your goals and stuff without getting overwhelmed. And this is part of that podcast. So it's understanding what is genuinely important and urgent versus what's kind of creating a demand on your time and attention. It's about reclaiming your focus. So for me, there are four key categories of things that you need to action or spend your time on. The first one is something that is not important and not urgent. So it might be something like watching a program on TV. It's not to say that you can't spend time on it in your day, but it doesn't require urgency and it's not dead important. It's not life or death. The second is it's not important, but it feels urgent. So it's your mate who texts you and says, oh my goodness, have you heard this rumor? Whatever. And it's about someone you don't know and don't really care about, but it's clearly important to your friend. Yeah. Bit of gossip. This is just an example. Or an email that you've had in work that is something that someone else is working on. They require something from you, but in terms of your priorities right now, it's really not up there. But because they keep emailing you, because it's the only thing that they need to do, you, you're getting stressed by it. So that's something that's not important, but feels urgent. Number three is something that is urgent and is important. So this would be maybe emails dropping in your box that need some action. Yeah, they need a response. Or it might be a message from school about your child that you need to take action on. Something that your child asks you to do, it's important to them and a deadline's coming up. Yeah, so you need to do something to help them with something. These are things that are urgent and important. And then the fourth category is it's very important to you, but it never feels urgent. It just doesn't feel urgent. This would be like going to the gym for some people or planning the meals for a week. Something you know that will help you, that will really align with that better version of yourself that you want to work on. The things that are important to your life, like maybe, I don't know, booking a holiday or booking a trip or a family day out or working on a hobby, you know, committing to singing lessons, maybe you want to take up singing again, or those things that you know your soul is calling to you for. And, and you know, for me, this podcast would be one of them. It's it's really important to me, but it often doesn't feel urgent because I only have myself to be accountable to a lot of the time. So these things are often the things that are really important to people, but they don't get done because they don't feel urgent or you can pass them off as, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. So most people tend to spend most of the time on the stuff that isn't urgent and isn't important, like watching TV, on the stuff that isn't important but feels urgent, like people ding, 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 ding in the phones and responding to messages all day that really could have been left, and things that feel urgent and important. So things that actually do need a response. But you'd be surprised at how much time people spend in these areas. It's not where you think it would be. 
But my point is that the very important stuff that will make a difference in your life, your fulfillment, your joy is often left to last. And let me tell you something, if you fill your cup up with the other stuff first, there's never any time left for the important stuff. So prioritize your important stuff first. And again, communicate that to people. Tell people that I don't answer my phone in the morning between the hours of seven and nine because I'm in the gym. I'm swimming. I won't have my phone on me. Don't bother ringing me. That's what I mean by that. Number three, take back control over your phone. Your phone does not control you. You control your phone. You have the ability to turn off notifications. So turn them off. If they distract you all day, if they pull your focus away from what you're doing and make you feel like you've got to look, turn it off or turn the notifications off at the very least. I don't have any notifications on my phone. So when I check my emails, it's because I choose to check them. When I check WhatsApp, it's because I choose to check it. When I look on social media, it's because I've allocated time to go on social media because part of my work, part of my job is essentially a social media manager for both Sona, which is my family business, and for the Best Self Project. So I'm very rarely on social media for personal reasons. It's usually work-related, so that time is scheduled. Have certain times of the day when you do things, batch them. So you have productive time, and then you have times where you don't need your phone. So on those times when it's your leisure time, when it's time to switch off, leave your phone. Put it in another room, turn it off. You are in control. Another thing I have done, number four, over the course of the last year is I've really been monitoring my phone time. So, you know, at the end of the week, I get on my iPhone, I get like a weekly report on how much time I've spent on my phone. So I really monitor that and I kind of set myself challenges for the next week to reduce that. And I have like a danger zone. If like I'm going above so many hours, it's like, oh my goodness me, this is bad. So make sure you really have an idea of a goal in your mind of what is your target phone time and what is like you're getting into the danger zone. So in terms of just to get let you know, like screen time statistics, the average American, so I know we're in the UK, but we're very similar cultures, checks their phone around 344 times a day. This is once every four minutes out of a survey of 1,000 adults. That's insane. And the BBC have reported that based on their research, that people spend an average of about 4.8 hours a day on their mobile phone. And this is according to an app monitoring firm called Annie. So the statistics are crazy around when we're using our phones and how much. So monitor that, review it, analyze it, and work on improving it. Lastly, number five, monitor your energy and emotions around picking up your phone. Are you entertained? Are you genuinely feeling connected? Are you genuinely feeling like you are getting something done? Are you productive? Or is it a habit that is putting you more on edge? Are you better just either putting it down and going on your laptop and actually doing something productive? Or do you just need to put it away because you're spending time with your kids? Monitor your feelings because they are directing you as to what to do. If you are on your phone, but you're feeling twitchy and guilty and bad and it's getting on your nerves, then hello, that's the sign. Put the phone away. We've got to stop this just mindless. That's the word is mindless scrolling, mindless tapping the phone, mindless picking it up. It is not 
an attachment to us. We need to mindfully detach from it at regular periods throughout the day. So we stop feeling just so controlled by it. So they are my five key tips, my five key strategies, my five boundaries that you should put in place for yourself and new habits that you should develop for yourself so that you can feel more present in your everyday life and escape this urgency culture, this toxic urgency culture that we find ourselves in at the moment and create better role models for our children to show them that there is another way, to show them that real true connection is not on a device. It's with the people we love. And that if it wasn't for the device, we wouldn't really know what was going on in anyone's life at all. We're choosing to know. We're choosing to compare. We're choosing to feel this sense of urgency. So that's actually helped me gain clarity today. So I know I'm going to be making some different decisions as my day goes on today, especially when I pick the girls up from school later. I hope it's helped you as well coming up to the school holidays or whatever you might be doing, you have a choice. And remember, people will push you as far as you are willing to allow them. And your free time does not equal your availability to them. Thanks so much for listening to the Best Self podcast today. I've been your host, Nicola Fulstow, and I hope you tune in with me every Monday to listen to the lessons that I've been learning about myself and applying in my daily life. Thank you so much for listening. Please do join me on Instagram at the Best Self Project UK and drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to hear what you thought of the show today. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Self Podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, be sure to subscribe and you would also massively be helping a girl out if you would rate and review the podcast today. I would love to know what you thought. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Best Self Project and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.